How you doing? This is Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. My name is Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm TJ Miller. And right now you're listening to Sandra Carusi. The one and only Sandra Carusi. Carusin on down the listing highway. Welcome to Inside Jokes with Sandra Carusi on Talk Radio, AM 640 and HD Radio. <laughs> Dean Young, I love this. We Do you remember this from now. Reservoir Dogs? Oh, yeah, of course. This is a lot of memories for me because when I started in radio, I uh, I was an op at 5 a.m. and I played this song three times in a row Steelers and then got Wheel. whacked. Yeah. yeah. Steelers Wheel. But you know why I like it. I think this is our new theme song. Is it? Go, when we go to TV. How did it uh, take us this long to realize that we could play music on the radio? On AM? Yeah. <laughs> this is the best part coming up. Tom loves it, by the way. Techie Tom's like ecstatic about having another element to do. Anyway, so... Stuck in the middle. I um, I was at a gig on the weekend. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I always like to get out there. And it was a really good show. I had a really good show. There was a heckler. It was a Friday, Saturday night. Same lineup. Same place. There was a heckler Friday night. She looked like Peg Bundy. And um, the MC was fantastic. He, you know, tried to uh, um, neutralize her. And uh, she was just an idiot. And, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. I want to quickly actually introduce members of our panel on this quickly. DJ Mausner. Hello, DJ. Hello. Thank you for having me. And Joel Buxton. Hello. Yeah, we're going to talk about who these people are in a second. I just want to get through this, get this out of my system. Anyway, so uh, the MC was kind of thrown off. And then the the first act was kind of got really angry with her because she was being a real idiot, right? And I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Because then I was third and then the headliner, right? And um, so anyway, she, I went up and she started going with me, right? So I neutralized her. I didn't get angry. I just, what I did was I brought her on stage and I sat her there. You brought oh. her on stage? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I put her in the chair. I'm. Can I ask first? Yeah. Was this like, because 90% of the time, and it is rare mm-hmm. that you actually get an actual heckler. Like it's mm-hmm. usually it's just like someone who's had too much to drink and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm part of the show now. And they want to include themselves. Is that what it was? Was it like a drunk patron? She was kind of drunk, but she was like, you know what? It was a very small venue. Plus, it wasn't a comedy club. It was a restaurant, Yeah. if anything, that has a comedy night and a very successful one at that. But I think that environment, too, a lot of people, you know, they go out for different reasons. They go for dinner. They want to have a nice show. It was more for the other patrons that she needed to be neutralized. So I brought her up prepared. I do a lot of crowd work, so I'm very happy. And I wanted her to look out to the audience to see what we see. I wanted mm. the white lights on her. I wanted her to see the darkness. And I wanted her to feel that so she could think next time. I wanted her to see the darkness. The darkness. <laughs> Maybe that's Boy. just my, or the silence of my yeah. audiences. <laughs> anyway, it worked. I disarmed her. She went back to uh, uh, her thing. And then she left shortly after. The next night, um, there was two other, there's two couples sitting in the same spot. Very nice people, nice women there laughing out loud, which is great. We want that in the audience. And the comic who was angry, um, the next night saw these two women and said, what's with this corner? Everybody crazy? Like, and really isolated them and really mm-hmm. put them down. And I thought, wow, don't do this. These women don't know what happened last night. <laughs> Did they, were they doing anything wrong? Were they... they were laughing. Oh, uh, they were just really loud. Like, well, slap, like, dare. ah, Okay. You know, and it just, it just, I guess he was still angry about it and stuff. And so I, w- I wanted, you guys are pros and, you know, um, we're going to get into that. But um, 
what say you? I mean, and we're going to talk more about this heckler thing. Oh, I hate it when people laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut them down. Yeah. I bring I just, shut up. <laughs> you know what? They, they just came up to me afterwards and said, uh, these patrons just said, you know what? We feel really dumb. And then they stop laughing. And we don't, in a small space, you want every person laughing. When there's 40 people or 50 people, mm. you can hear them not laughing. Actually, right. a thousand to two thousand is much better because <laughs> you'll get some rumble. Was it one of those setups, though, where there were audience members who didn't know that a comedy show was going to be nope. there? No, okay. because you walk in the place and you had to pay extra to see the comedy to show. To be in that part. Yeah. Okay. And then they have a drape to coordinate it off. So I asked the question about her, too. And I said to the owner, like, did she know what was going on? He goes, oh, yeah, no, no, no. They asked to be part of the comedy show. So, but you're right. That happens sometimes. See, I had one the other night where... I sat a friend of mine right at the front because you and you guys know our guests know like you go to shows all the time and and a lot of people are wary about sitting right at the front because they're like I don't yeah. want the comedian to to go after me or to to mm-hmm. to engage with me and so I sat this friend of mine right at the front of the show and I was like I promise none of these comics will rip into you or talk mm-hmm. to you or anything forgetting of course that uh, uh, Dom Perret was was headlining oh, he's that the show best. Oh. and he of course. Went right into this guy, and at one point during the show, he actually turned around. This guy sitting at the front turned around and looked at me at the back of the room and just went, "You promised Dean that no one would talk to me <laughs> during the show. How could you make that promise? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah. you no know comic can resist the front I row. I picked out a kid out of the audience. It was this young guy sitting alone. I said, "Okay." I got to talk to Lee Harvey Oswald. Why are you here alone? What's going on? And are you my Tinder surprise, right? And he's like, oh my God, I've been trying to hide here. I'm a comic. And he's just an amateur who just wanted to come watch the show. But it was such a small room. He was sitting and I I couldn't. So I picked on the poor guy. That's always tough. What was he eating? (laughs) He was on a grassy knoll. It was very scary. Um, But I'm going to open up this heckler conversation to our panel here uh, with DJ Mausner at 22 Already an award-winning stand-up sketch and improv comedian. Look at you, DJ. <laughs> um, so bleak observational and surreal, intricately described fears. Uh, you use characters, anecdotes. This is very exciting. Um, you've appeared at Boston's Women in Comedy Festival, Toronto's Big City Improv Festival. Uh, I could keep going. Should I, DJ? I don't know. Oh, 2017 homegrown, homegrown champ, co-champ. Most, yeah, most, co-champ yeah. and if that's not enough... We also have Joel Buxton. Hello. Writer, stand-up comedian, sketch performer, and original member of the multiple Canadian Comedy Award winning troupe, The Sketchersons. Mm. Very famous. Very impressive. Also, I've been on the network series Hit or Miss and Chorus's own CMT Select. We like (laughs) this. Yeah, yeah. In the familia. And writing uh, on Byte.ca and The Beaverton, which we love so much. And also musical duo, Brunswick Project. Okay, I can't, I can't, I, and you teach at Toronto Second City. Is that enough? Like the two of yeah, you? Yeah, that's good. Can yeah. you stop? <laughs> yeah. Overachievers? I have two middle names, but that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my name actually stands for two names. So, uh, so we've got like a ton of names too. So, so let's talk about this heckler. What uh, What do I do? Was that crazy for me to bring her on stage? Was that suicide or what? I My experience with hecklers uh, has gone two ways. Sometimes it feels... <laughs> I once uh, did a show it was a comedy competition and it was the finals and there was a group of like four massive dudes sitting in the front row were super drunk there for a bachelor party and they just I was the only woman on the lineup of like seven which is in in and of itself a problem obviously Um, but nobody attempted to kind of like neutralize them before I went on similar to what you were talking about and it was really tough Mm -hmm. Um, 
in that case, I just kind of tried to power through. I've also had an experience where there was like 14 older, really drunk gentlemen, like all oh. chatty. But to me, it was like, this is my set now. Like I'm mm-hmm. talking to them. And it was fun because they weren't being rude. Later on in the night, they got rude and someone had to really shut them down. But I kind of just got to improvise my set and banter with them. So I've had kind of different experiences. I try mm-hmm. often to call people in first, give them the chance yeah. to be like recognize what they're doing is not part of the mm-hmm. show and that they shouldn't be doing it. But um, I find very often if I'm on a show with a really great host, that's kind of, I feel, their responsibility. Yes. You yes. know, like I feel mm. most often your act can do it, but it's the responsibility of the host, especially if you have like a headliner from out of town. Mm-hmm. It's their job to, to neutralize. neutralize it. Yeah. And we talk about this kind of great stuff on Inside Jokes. We get behind the joke. Dean likes when I say that. And we'll <laughs> talk more with our incredible guests, uh, DJ Mausner and Joel Buxton. Looking forward to more of this. Right here on Inside Jokes, Talk Radio, AM 640. This is K. Trevor Wilson. You're listening to Inside Jokes with Sandra Carusi. Hakeem Optical makes fine, fine eyewear. Helping us see comedy better, Dean. I can see it. I've always said uh, your eyes can have it all. Yeah, they can. At Hakeem Optical. If they tried. Yeah. Yeah. They look good. I have great designer glasses. I have product glasses from there. I feel cool. I have twenty twenty vision, but if I didn't, I would certainly. Wow, get that's some an incredible. They should put that in their the ad, <laughs> right? If I didn't have vision, that's I would right. go there. But they have great, like just spe- peepers, just for peepers to they, look cool. You know the Ray Bans that you got me for yes. Christmas, Hakeem Optical, baby. Yeah, you and Tom have never looked better. I just want us to say that the chick—that's a chick magnet. Those glasses. Well, and, not so far, and, but okay. Because because I'm feeling a little hungry. It's against the grain Urban Tavern here in Chorus Key. Thank you for always feeding us well. They have a great new menu, by the way. You want to check it out. And uh, definitely the patio before it's patio season. Go bye-bye. That's right. Yeah, best patio in the city here in Chorus Key, where we record, is against the grain right on the water. So there you go. I think I plugged everything. Mark Marin does it. Why can't I? That's right. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. You should do it uh, Norm McDonald lifestyle, where you're eating the food while you plug it. And I they, do. They Tom yells sponsorship. At, Tom doesn't want me to eat the food. Into the microphone. Wow, that's that's what I do. That's how I roll. We will when the food gets here. Yeah. All right. Um, welcome back, DJ Mausner and Joel Buxton, you big show-offs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that with love. We've no. been doing cartwheels in the studio. Yeah. Yes. I've been going, <laughs> after every credit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, it's just an impressive line. They've just done so much. And, Joel, just before the break, we're talking about hecklers. Now, yeah. you teach at Toronto Second City Improv. Is there hecklers when there's an improv show? Well, you've both done well, you, it, but... Um, well, I actually teach uh, stand-up and writing. At and Oh, okay, stand-up and writing. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, and yeah, but the uh, Skechersons, when you were doing that. Yeah, very occasionally. I think it's less common in sketch because it feels like there's a fourth wall there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with stand-up, it feels like... I think a lot of people that heckle think that that's a regular part mm-hmm. of stand-up. Like that that it's okay to do? Yeah. Like okay. I've, I've had hecklers after I've shut them down come up after the show and be like, that was a fun bit we did. Should we have a oh. together? <laughs> I'm just like, no. Yeah, get lost. You do no, not understand what happened. Well, here. somebody, some comics say on here that sometimes they're comics in waiting. They're people, like some comics used to be hecklers. Hmm. Yeah. I, I wasn't, but I, I mean, I re- always respected the craft, but maybe some people just want to do that. I know that Peg Bundy chick is just an a-hole. That's all she mm. is. But right. 
you know, that's, she, she said, I'm a domestic engineer and she's married to a rich guy. He ended up leaving because he was so embarrassed by her. And she stayed. Yeah. You got, you wow. got a lot out of her, though. A lot of information. Oh, we had a big con- I'm an interviewer. Yeah. I, I was doing the whole inside jokes. I'm like, this is, I'm going to talk about this on the show. You're too good. <laughs> so you just brought the, the heckler on stage and interviewed her. Is that weird that I brought her up? That's a new way to disarm a heckler, that's for sure. It freaked her right out. Yeah. She shut down. She goes, this is boring. I'm leaving. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Don't let the door hit you. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to get some feedback. Anyway, so you're both extremely uh, multifaceted with writing and performing and sketch and improv and producing. How closely tied are all those avenues for you guys, Joel? Uh, I think there's a lot of overlap between sketch and improv and stand-up. I, I sort of think of uh, stand-up as the one that is fed by everything because mm-hmm. there are elements of improv and there's elements of writing. Um, but yeah, I think... Definitely, I started as a stand-up exclusively, and then when I started mm. doing sketch, I was surprised at uh, the improvement in stand-up just from trickle over from the sketch experiences. Mm, interesting. Mm. DJ? Yeah, I found for myself, I started doing improv and stand-up at the same time. It was when I was quite young, so everything was still kind of muddied and a little bit overlapping. Um, I find stand-up helped me to ins- like very specifically write a joke. Um, sketch helped me with story structure and recognizing a beginning, a middle, and end and where things should be cut down. And improv kind of helped me fill in the blanks in between and remain myself wow. through all of it. Mm-hmm. So I find that they cross boundaries a lot and that any stand-up I know that's taken improv classes or any impro- improviser I know that's taken sketch or does sketch, it exactly what Joel was saying, like does nothing but benefit kind of each medium because they're all linked by being clear, um, having an original voice, and being charismatic. Yes, all uh, combined. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Basically. Now, you, uh, little Miss Prodigy, and I mean that with respect, (laughs) at 22, (laughs) nailed the homegrown at Just for Laughs Festival Montreal last month Mm -hmm. with uh, co-winner Courtney Courtney Gilmore, Gilmore. who was in here a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Are you nervous about JFL 42? I'm really, really excited. I mean, um, Courtney and I get to have a show together. We're both doing about half an hour. and Nice. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did an hour special back in February, March, and... Uh, it was really nice to have that kind of breadth of time. I'm looking forward to exploring that again in front of like a really good audience that's excited to be there. I find whenever I do festivals, the people are really pumped to be in the audience and it makes all the difference. Yeah, and that's another thing when we were talking about that gig I was talking about because of the type of venue it is. I think it, you know, why the people are there makes a difference. Even though they, know, they knew it was a comedy club mm-hmm. or com- comedians, it's still a restaurant atmosphere. But when you go to a festival, these people are signed up, ready to laugh, mm-hmm. ready to go. They're going to be respectful. You don't see hecklers at this thing. Mm-hmm. And JFL 42 coming to Toronto in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> sorry, back end of September. Uh, go to JFL42.com to learn more who's on that bill. People like Bill Burr, my boyfriend, <laughs> My comedy boyfriend. Well, I think I'm that's a stalker. like specifically JFL 42. It even differs from the Montreal Festival mm-hmm. a little bit. We were talking about this before because in the Montreal Festival, it sort of takes over the entire city, right? And it's an entire event. Like it takes over the streets of downtown are all part mm. of the festival. In Toronto, you seem to find sort of comedy purists or comedy fans that go to all these shows because you kind of really do have to go out of your way mm. to attend this festival. Yes. You know, it's not right there in your face all mm-hmm. over the city. You have to seek these shows out and you're you're there being part of it. Mm. So the crowds that you get at all of these shows are very much there to take part in that. There's, they're not just sort of wandering in and going, oh, what's this? Well, you we'll know? talk more about JLF 42 after the break on Inside Jokes Talk Radio AM 640.
Hey, this is Russell Peters, and you're listening to Sandra Juicy Carusi. <laughs> Everything to do with comedy. Lots of laughing with Joel Buxton here. Um, I want to just say one thing, but there's too many things to identify him. But uh, Joel, basically, you teach at Second City, and you're from the Skechersons, but you're a stand-up guy, too, and you're a producer. He's just a stand-up guy. You're a stand-up guy. You do a show at Comedy Bar once a month called Don't Break the Chain on yeah. Wednesdays. First yeah. Wednesday of the month, 9.30. Yes. Um, the What's form- that about? It's really cool. Um, the comics are really good sports about it. Everybody has to write for an hour for the week leading up to the show every day and then only <sighs> perform material from that seven hours of work. That's awesome. What? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay, so wait, wait, tell me something. So write comedy? Yeah, like write <laughs> stand-up bits for the show. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun because the comics who do it are often surprised like, wow, I came out of it with a really polished five, so they're happy. And the audience is like, wow, they just, that's the first time they've done that set. Because they've worked on the writing so much it's, and they're nervous. So it like, it goes off really well. So my niece Alicia's here. Hi, Alicia. Welcome. Alicia's a writer and learned to be a writer. And Alicia, you need to go to this. I'm just going to tell you right now. So, because we have a lot of comics and com- comedy writers and that is a great school is what, what's happening. Because I don't know if people realize when I interviewed Kevin Hart, I said, what, you know, what do people need to know about comedy and what are the qualities you respect? He said, I res- people, you have to write every day. Mm-hmm. You mm. have to write every day. And that doesn't mean sit, do a five-minute bit because we know a five-minute bit takes seven hours to write, like you just said, right? right? Yeah. Sometimes, I don't know. We'll talk about it. But, you know, I keep my phone memo and I'm always like even one line and then I'll build it later. Mm-hmm. Right, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally I, I work out stuff on stage. So this has been interesting because ah. I do it too as the host. Mm. And uh, it was actually inspired by an interview with Jerry Seinfeld where he talked about uh, putting an X on a calendar for every day that you do an hour of writing. Um, so that's, that's the story behind the theme. I got goosebumps. And <laughs> I know he's pretty good. Like, I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, <laughs> Jerry I, you know, I, I heard not bad at I writing. Saw, I saw him at Just for Laughs in Montreal. I had the thrill. I had never seen him perform live. Right. He's 63 years old. He is a master. And you know what was interesting about that show? I got to tell you guys. Did you go DJ when you were there? No. No, it's, I had a pass, but uh, not to certain galas. Yes. No, I know. No. That was a toughie. <laughs> but uh, he did all this physical comedy. Really? Jerry Seinfeld of all people doing like he laid on the on one bit laid on the stage in this beautiful suit. Wow! Yeah, you know the suit was five grand, but uh, <laughs> it actually it was... turns into a car. He <laughs> <laughs> drives away. Well, would you guys say physical comedies in style? Um, I think like high energy trending. comedy yeah. is trending. For yes, sure. uh, comedy that's dynamic. I mean, Pete, there's so many stand up specials being pumped out every day, mm-hmm. and so many people. The the scene is so dense in pretty much every city now. I mean, obviously, larger cities like Toronto have a lot more people doing yeah. it. Uh, that to do something to stand out, not because you're like I'm just going to be the crazy physicality person, but more you know, incorporating those things that they feel natural to you. I think definitely give you a leg up. Um, mm-hmm. That was a pun, not a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're too quick, DJ. I'm like five hours behind you when you speak. Like you're picking up on everything. Thanks. Yeah, no, so there is, right? Like I, you know, I always think of Sebastian Maniscalco, of course, who's a really good at physical comedy. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's a lot more had, like bigger marquee value that are like, even Kevin Hart to an extent. I would, yeah, I would say he's very physical. Right? Yeah. And who are the, some of the people you like, Joel, just in general? In Toronto? Toronto, yeah. And um, beyond Canada? Well, beyond, yeah, I love Nate Bregazzi. Really mm-hmm. big into Nate Bregazzi right now. I think he's a genius. Um, in terms of Toronto shoutouts, Chris Locke is a big favorite. Yes, he was here last week. Oh, yeah, great. great. Yeah, yes, he's, he's great. so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at JFL 42. Yeah, I'll be going to see that for sure. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And uh, DJ, who would you say? 
Um, outside of Canada, I'm a big fan of Rory Scovel. Mm-hmm. I just really like his nice. presence on stage. Um, he's obviously going to be in town as well, which is super, super exciting. And then uh, Canadian I, uh, favorites, I really like uh, Sarah Hennessy. I think she's wonderful. I think she's Shh. such a perfect example of just embodying exactly what you're about and being amazing at it. Oh, mm-hmm. she was here yeah. last week, too. How convenient for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we planned it and all. Did we pronounce on... those names right? Sarah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's your money, Joel. Chris Locke. Plug, plug, plug. Well, Sarah's also at JFL 42. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has her show, Terrific Women, we're talking about. So it's, you know, I always ask comics, uh, you know, even big marquee value. When I was on the red carpet, we're going to hear some of my clip from Mike Berbiglia. Yeah. Yeah. And I always ask them. And, you know, at GFL, <laughs> when I interviewed Jim Carrey, but also when he was on a panel, he talks about who he loves. Mm. And for him, like he saw Jeff Ross and David Tell for the first time. And he just kept talking about them because he couldn't believe. Uh, well, maybe not the first time, but he just couldn't believe the level of talent these guys have. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think as artists, we really kind of look to the people. Do you adopt, Joel, anything from the people you look up to or respect? Um, I, I think I, you can't help but sort of absorb some like wisdom or whatever. But um, I find, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to really strong writers in mm-hmm. stand-up. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, that's, that's what I value. And so I find... The more good writing you watch, the more you're like, ah, okay, I like the way they worded that, or I would have never put it that way. You know, why did they think that? So Yeah, we yeah. watch things differently, don't we, as comics, mm-hmm. like the technical aspect. Who, like, who would you say is a good writer, Joel? Oh, like Chris Locke is, like, yes. is one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark Little is like a yes. dynamo. Yes. He, he can do it all, but his writing is amazing. Pat mm-hmm. Thornton's a really good writer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pat Thornton's um, great. Rebecca He's Kohler great. is great. Yes. Um, Martha O'Neill just did my... Um, She's awesome. Did my Don't Break the Chain show, and I was blown away. I was just like, your writing is so good. Yes, and Martha puts on the She Dot Festival. Yep. She was in here, too. Big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these there's great, and I was, because Alicia wants to do writing, and we we're talking about this, and there's different kinds of writing. There's not only comedy writing, but um, there are two things in comedy. There's a lot of different things in comedy. There's the writing aspect. There's your delivery and performance and what you bring to it. And I always bring this up as Patton Oswald, how mm-hmm. he says there's funny people and there's people who write funny. And right. he wants to be more of a funny person because he, he's got the material down. And uh, and then to add that element, which comes with physicality sometimes. Dean. Well, and I think like obviously over time, you know, you sort of, you, you the main thing to do at first, and of course Joel knows because I've seen him bring an entire class out to open mics and stuff like that because ah. it, it's just about getting out there and putting in the time. And you, you work to sort of find your voice over time. But then you veer towards who you admire stylistically, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love storytellers. I love long form. I don't. I I can't think of any really like quick, rapid fire punchline stuff I've ever done. Okay, it's just not. I want to I talk about that, that when we yeah. come back. Storytelling after the break. All right. Thanks to Hakeem Optical, <laughs> and against the Grain Urban Tavern on Inside Jokes Talk Radio AM six forty. Hi, this is Sugar Sammy, and you're listening to Inside Jokes with Sandra the Cruiser Carusi. Mm-mm-mm, gotta get me some of that. We're uh, we're talking, of course, comedy. That's what we do here on Inside Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about coffee earlier, too, but uh, anyway, we have Joel Buxton and DJ Mausner. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, just before the break, Dean was talking about storytelling, and um, earlier I was talking about trends like physical physicality and animation and on stage is kind of a trend, or I see more of it because I saw Seinfeld do it and I couldn't believe it. 
Another thing, most definitely, I would say, would you guys agree storytelling is kind of coming into play a little more instead of the setup and punch? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about, I think, I mean, it's about presence on stage because mm-hmm. a storyteller, like, uh, you can't, you can have something that's short and funny, you can have something that's long and funny, but if you have something that's long and boring, it's like, oh, where are we yeah. going yeah. and why? Yeah. You can't know? be a but TED talk. But, exactly. But so, Joel, you teach this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you, like, in your student, what you do, because I, I want to do more storytelling and I did it more on the weekend and I felt pretty good about it. So it's very different because I started 25 years ago and there was a very definitive setup and punch kind of style that kind of went about in the 90s and thousands and stuff. And then when I'm watching a lot of these younger talent or newer talent, it's a lot of the storytelling. And Dean, you do Tinder Tales. That's all storytelling there. Yeah. And I mean, I think the main thing is, and again, both of our guests know, like it's important for comics to branch out and go outside of your comfort zone and try to pick up as many skill sets as you can. Like a lot of people get into stand up and they're like, Ooh, improv. But I mean, it, it, it helps you figure out who you are on stage so oh much God. more and just be that much more comfortable and organic on stage, mm. regardless of what your goal is or what you think your voice is. Well, there's skills. I took second city classes, like th- three levels, let's say, cause it goes A to G or whatever is it? A to E. Yeah. A to E. And I went to C or something. I don't know. You could tell. I didn't finish. I didn't go to conservatory. <laughs> but, like me and karate. <laughs> but I was telling you guys earlier, I was a salesperson here in radio for 25 years. The skills I learned in that improv class, I keep telling Alicia she's got to go, is because they're life skills. And I will send my kids when they get old enough. Um, I'm sure DJ went, being at 22, would you start at 10? <laughs> I started doing uh, classes, teen classes at Second City when I think I was uh, 15 or so. Very cool. Yeah. But they're life lessons, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, those skills I used in every aspect of my job, and I get a lot of MC work and that sort of thing. So uh, I always recommend it. And I'm, Joel, just back to the storytelling question. Yeah. What, what are the elements? Like, there's no punchline in storytelling. Um, well, yeah, I think you were talking about how storytelling is getting more popular, and I agree. And I think one of the reasons for that is because there's only so many ways to structure a joke. And I think that we're all, as a culture, getting so experienced with stand-up comedy and specials. And mm, yeah. the layman is starting to internalize those joke structures. So it's not enough anymore just to be like, wow. here are the jokes, folks. Because people are like, heard it, done it. You know, the misdirect is like one of the oldest joke structures. So Okay, what's like, a misdirect? I know um, what it is, but just your classic like rug pull. Like you start off mean uh, yes. implying one thing, and then uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of it. How about call? Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like a plot. I'm twist. trying to think of who I just heard you know. it. Yeah, they're telling a story. They're doing a storyline or whatever, and then they. It's yeah. actually not that. Yeah, yeah. Like Phil Hanley has a really good one where he says, "I had a lot of trouble with high school bullies on the way to the show tonight." Yeah, there. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> there's a misdirect. Yeah, and then how about um, a callback? I love callbacks. Is that old, old fashioned? No, callbacks are great. Yeah. Uh, callbacks are used a lot in stories, actually. Mike Birbiglia mm-hmm. loves having callbacks in his stories. Um, what a tie in, because we're going to have a clip from Mike. There, right? <laughs> You're just like, you really are really good at scripts. But so, so storytelling, so there's no punchline. Um, well, I think there are hidden joke structures in there, but the point is to build up character and the point is to build up um, a picture, create a, a picture. Narrative. A yeah. narrative. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really satisfying because, you know, if it's an interesting story, that's half the battle. Whereas someone like Anthony Jeselnik, if the, oh. if the if the misdirect isn't 
really solid people are like boo like yeah it's like a magician pulling like a dead rabbit out of a hat it's like you promised <laughs> okay. it would be cool so anthony's one of the darkest comics i don't know who gets darker than him he is pretty so dark. dark yeah he was at the oddball festival when was it two years ago or something yeah. here that's coming up uh i think labor day we gotta look into that anyway um so that's very good to know from teacher Joel Buxton from Second City. That's with- his full name, actually. That's his middle name is Teacher that he mentioned earlier. Teacher. <laughs> Joel <laughs> Teacher Buxton. Yeah. And DJ Mausner, our little protege, our Doogie Hauser <laughs> of comedy. We thought the Mace Galoni, but then we got Miss DJ the performing at uh, JFL 42. And just from a maturity level, you got to have, I don't know what 22, like I started at 23 and I did clubs and stuff, but uh, that's a big stage, Missy. Yeah, I feel very lucky. I mean, uh, at uh, Homegrown, that was the largest amount of people I'd ever performed oh! to. Yeah, which was really was it easier was than blast. a small room? Um, I'm a ham, so it felt fun. It yes. was fun to perform. I in think front bigger of rooms bigger are better. People. Yeah, I yeah, to- I was there. It was it was a huge crowd, and everybody just had him going. Yeah, mm-hmm. DJ especially was oh. just crushing. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. It was nice to kind of uh, change my pacing based on you know the laugh and that kind of thing. It was a cool experience to feel the difference between that and a smaller room. Um, and yeah, I felt very grateful to, for the experience. Yeah, I want I like the pacing thing. I want to talk about that too. I like getting technical now. This is really good. Let's I do think it. a lot of you know, even just fans of comedy, like you said, Joel, you nailed it. People are watching specials and consuming comedy specials at a high rates because Netflix pumps so much out, and all the streaming site, Kevin Hart streaming site, everybody's got one now. Everything like on like web series, mm-hmm. podcasts became yeah. a new thing. So savvy think- audiences. Let's talk about that after yeah. the break on Inside Jokes Talk Radio AM six forty. Hey, this is Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you are listening to Sandra Carusi on Inside Jokes on Talk Radio AM 640. Pants optional. What are the qualities you respect in a comic? Wow. I mean, it's funny. It's, I don't always like what I am. You know, in other words, like people who are like me. I like my favorites are Doug Stanhope and Maria Bamford and people who really don't have a ton in common with me but are just... I feel like inventive and creative and sort of giving a piece of themselves to the audience. I mean, I, I, would, I mean, I guess that's the thing I always try to do is with my shows. I've, I've actually premiered all four of my solo shows here at Montreal just for laughs. So Sleepwalk With Me, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, Thank God for Jokes, and now the new one. And I always, with each show, I try to give a piece of myself to the audience because that's sort of all we have to give. So that's Mike Berbiglia, who I interviewed on the red carpet at Just for Laughs Awards uh, in Montreal last month. And he's performing in September at JFL 42 yeah. with G- DJ Mausner, who's here. I'm performing see? with him. Specifically with, yeah. no, with him. I did that on purpose. <laughs> and Courtney Joel Gilmore Buxton. just got bumped by Mike yeah. Berbiglia. She has no idea yet. <laughs> and Joel Buxton's here as well. Welcome. Hello. So let's just Hello. talk about that little quote from our friend Mike Berbiglia. And... Um, so it's funny because I love Doug Stanhope and um, Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. huge yeah. fan. And it was just interesting because obviously Berbiglia's style is very different than Bamford and Stanhope. And so we all have different tastes and and how we look at things. Um, but he was talking about giving a piece of yourself to the audience. Mm-hmm. DJ, mm-hmm. how do you do it? Um, well, I mean, he mentioned Maria Bamford, who I love. And yes. I know I was talking about Rory Scovel earlier. And I think exactly what Joel was saying about like uh, joke format, it's also about kind of we've gotten used to what we see and how we see it on stage so I think that's about um, as we go on having like a diversity of performers with experiences and identities is going to be super important but also for me what you do between the jokes like 
physicality we were talking about but like what do you do with the silences do you play with silences how do you how do you present on stage something for me that I really liked that I got to do during Homegrown is the stage was so big at Monument National that I got to play around with that whole space which I really loved to do Mm -hmm. and I think that you know for me a little uh, bit of nugget that I took from my friend and amazing comedian from Montreal Trana Wintour is Mm -hmm. you're putting on a show for the audience you're putting on a presentation for them you're doing something for them and what does that mean in regards to your personality what does that mean that you're bringing Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's you know riffing or giving having jokes interspersed between um, moments where you can connect with them or talk to the audience or that means you know being very strict with what you say and what you do that's great but they know when it's you and they know when it's not the audience can tell Mm -hmm. consciously or subconsciously they can tell if you're there or not if you're on autopilot yeah very interesting what you said that's good and so with silences you use the stage is that what you did Yeah, I mean, what does it mean to ask the audience a question and actually listen to the response, right? Uh, As opposed to just saying a joke and being like, I wrote this three months ago and I've been working on it for many months and this is how I think if I say it this way, Mm -hmm. it's the right way, which is a huge part of it. But it's also, are you listening to what they're responding to Mm, in that moment? And what does it mean? Do Do you change degrees by a little bit in the way you say the next thing? or what you say next. Mm-hmm. I think that's what separates the good from the great. Joel, what would you say in terms of uh, giving a piece of yourself to the audience? Yeah, I think um, we talk a lot in class about like stage presence and charisma and how important that is. And mm-hmm. I think giving yourself, giving a, a piece of yourself is kind of along the same lines as that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's an expression of, of uh, you know, um, communicating with an audience and sort of creating a bond, Mm -hmm. you know, so that they like you, not just your act, but they like you as a human being. Um, So I think there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Uh, Playing with timing and being super comfortable is like definitely a huge one. Sharing secrets is definitely huge. Like I think Tignataro sort of blew up when she went so real without like uh, talking about her cancer. And that was giving a piece of herself. So Yes. Um, I definitely agree with him for sure. Yeah. I think that's, um, it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because I just saw her special where she, because she had a double mastectomy and she had her shirt off. And Dean, I know you're a huge fan of Tignataro. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I am too, being gone through cancer. And I always watch her technical part of how she incorporates it. Now, she already had marquee value when her cancer came. And so for me, I always ask a lot of comics that question. I've talked about it when I interviewed Maria Bamford last year because she talks about her depression. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, how do I incorporate the cancer part? And she said, well, do it. Like she she just said, do it. Like just start talking about it. Mm -hmm. And she even tweeted, when I tweeted it out, she tweeted it back, start the bit, right? And so when I interviewed Deborah DiGiovanni this year, uh, because she too loves Maria Bamford. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I've got cancer. Bamford's got the depression. What's your thing that we all kind of give a piece of yourself to? And so she talked about her challenges. She's single and, you know, she talks about being a cat lady and (laughs) Dean relates being a cat man. (laughs) Maybe we should connect you too. I, well, I have I have one named Cat and Oswalt, and let me tell you, <laughs> when I inevitably get a third, it's going to be Tig Meowtaro. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's a mouthful. You're a yeah. weirdo. Do you say that name every time you call for them? Do oh you my call gosh! Cat and Oswalt. Oh, Cat and Oswalt. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we're having some fun here with some really uh, incredible people, DJ Mausner and Joel Buxton, very talented. And I love the technical stuff I've learned. This is one big school for me. It's really about teaching me about comedy. It is. I have no clue. It is true, though. You Yeah, just go up there and talk about that. Yeah. And it'll like, you know, the sort of fat will fall off the bone, right? Once yep. you start talking about it and working it out up there. Well, we'll talk more after the break on Talk Radio AM 640. 
I'm Maggie Casella, and you're listening to Inside Jokes with my friend Sandra Carusi on Talk Radio AM 640. Nailed it. I'm here with my real estate friend, Holly Garvey-Penny. What's up with HGP's tips and trends today? Hi, Sandra. Today's a tip for homeowners. I call it know your home. And what I mean is go out with your realtor to see comparable properties so that as a homeowner, you are better informed about what your home might be worth. Even if you're not planning on selling, it's important to keep informed for refinancing, renovation investments, or just for the fact of being surprised at what your home may be worth. To continue to love it. Or call or email me with any questions. They can reach you at HEP at bosleyrealestate.com or 416-322-8000. Now back to Inside Jokes with Sandra Carusi on Talk Radio, AM 640 and HD Radio. Inside Jokes, we're talking lots of good stuff here. DJ Mausner and Joel Buxton along with, of course, Dean Young and my niece, Alicia, who's here helping because she's a writer. She's going to help me write. I request formally that next time you say, and my and my niece, Alicia, and of course, Dean Young. That's what I want to be at the <laughs> end <laughs> of all the things. Of course, Dean Young. All the lists. Uh, and Techie Tom. The uh, so JFL42 at JFL42.com, September 21 to the 30th, going on here in Toronto, a variety of venues. And what you do is you buy a pass, and then you go, and then you get credits, which gets you more shows. And they have something called Comedy Con, which is in conversation with some of the comics, like people like Bill Burr, who I love, 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 and John Mulhaney and Tim and Eric and Janine Garofalo. Oh, my gosh. Um, Kenny and Spenny, even. Some of these people may even be coming into studio. I'm just saying, not saying, Dean. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's all coming up. So get your pass now for JFL 42. DJ Mausner is performing there with Courtney Gilmore. Yes, very, very excited. That's yeah. uh, the tail end of September. Coming up a little bit more recently mm-hmm. in Montreal, uh, if you're there, is mm-hmm. uh, Lady Fest, which is a festival nice. uh, supporting women and celebrating women. It lasts for the first week of September. My show, my monthly that I produce, is going to be a part of it, oh, as nice. well as multiple stand-up nights, sketch, improv, uh, vernissage of wow. artists. It's a whole amazing festival. You should check it out ladyfest.ca oh there you go good joel buxton um yeah i run a, a show every week at, uh every the first wednesday of the month at comedy bar 9 30 uh called don't break the chain where comics uh write an hour a day for seven days and then present that material mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun i think uh near the end of september i think the last weekend in september we're also doing a fictional roast uh which is a series we've been doing at comedy so bar so cool where we pick a, a fictional character. We've done in the past like Archie and Frasier, and uh, we just did Game <laughs> of Thrones. It was Jon Snow. <laughs> I uh, love it. So those are a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. Dino? Dino? Oh, uh, please buy my album Life Hack. Oh, that God. comes out this please, fall. Please, because I can't please pay him. It. Somebody's yeah. got to feed this guy. Please buy my album uh, <laughs> Life Hack. We just wrapped that up, so that'll be an album, and then we taped like Where a, do we buy one it? hour show. I'm going to release it all, well, on iTunes like everybody, and then I'll have it out through uh, Talkhole Podcast Network as well. Uh, and you can find all my shows on talkhole.co. How about Tinder Tales? Tinder Tales, all those dates are on there too. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could go to sandacruzzi.com. I have shows in November. Uh, I actually, in October and September too, but I, I just confirming those. But uh, I'll have updates there. I just got um, the privilege to be the MC for the Mirror Ball, November 10th, to benefit the Look Good, Feel Better program. Uh, that's a big shoo-shoo thing I'm very excited about. And uh, anyway, I look forward to hearing from all of you. Um, stay tuned for the Dating and Relationship Show coming up next. And I'm so happy you join us each and every week. I'm Santa 
Perusi. This is Inside Jokes, Talk Radio, AM 640. Hey there, it's Techie Tom, and it's time for this week's comedy listings. JFL 42 returns to Toronto September 21st to 30th. Check out JFL42.com for upcoming shows and the 42 acts coming to our city. And don't miss Joel Buxton's Don't Break the Chain Comedy, the first Wednesday of every month at Toronto's famous comedy bar. Hi there, I'm Peter Wildman. And I'm Paul Chatto, and we're from the comedy troupe The Frantics. You might remember us from our long-running CBC radio show Frantic Times, or our TV show The Frantics, Four in the Floor. Over the years, we have recorded hundreds of our comedy shows, and now... Thanks to modern technology... We have assembled the very best bits and started a podcast we call The Best of Frantic Times. It is, and it's free. Find us on the Google, just search The Frantics Podcast, and start downloading the best of frantic times. Boot to the head! To the head! And now for your Comedy Rx, this week featuring Joel Buxton. Last summer, I lived in a sauna, incorrectly listed on Craigslist as an apartment. Got very hot in the night. It's hard to have sexy dreams. One night I got so hot. I got so hot one night. I got so hot. I woke up with a southern accent. It was like, Abdu Declare. From another school to in Toronto. Why it's hotter out there than a horse in hooker boots. It's a perfect southern accent. Look that up. Look that up. Another amazing Comedy Rx to wrap up our show. Thanks again, Dean Young, Techie Tom, and our intern, Courtney, for all the help. And you can check me out on Instagram or Twitter at Sandra underscore Carusi or on Facebook, Santa Carusi Official. And uh, check us out on social media for the show at Inside Joke 640. We welcome your feedback. Thanks for listening each and every week. I'm Santa Carusi, and you've been listening to Inside Jokes on Talk Radio AM 640.